Hey guys, welcome to the Alforn podcast, sponsored by Betfred and produced by Feed Ignite. Well, this was a fun episode, I can tell you that much. My guest this week was legendary impressionist John Coleshaw. And just before I go into details about this episode, I just want to acknowledge that the sound last week was absolutely appalling, and I really do apologise for that. Um, it was a great episode with Jan Agafjortoft, um, and I, 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 re- I pretty much resolved the issue straight after I um, finished recording that podcast, and the sound is back to its very best this week. And uh, we're in a, lo- a new location. Yes, a brand new location in the house, uh, the spare bedroom. Uh, I got the Mika desk from Ikea. I put it together this week and we are in the spare bedroom. And it's less echoey than it was in the kitchen. And I'm really, really pleased with that. And I can't think of a better guest to kick off the uh, the podcast in the brand new location in the house. John Coleshaw was absolutely brilliant. One of my biggest inspirations. Uh, I, I watched him for years. He did some just the most spot-on impressions on Dead Ringers, on Spitting Image, and many others. Mock the Week. Uh, Any time he was interviewed, were just so entertaining. I think it's very important to to note that John is just a really lovely guy. Uh, a, such a nice man. So humble. So down to earth. Willing to kind of go back and forth with me with with our impressions it was just so much fun and um yeah this is a really this is a great podcast and i really do hope all of you enjoy it and it's great it's great having someone like john on because you know i'm still young and i'm i'm learning in this business and john has been around for for a very long time so you learn from from people like that and i have such respect and admiration for him as well so it was just a great honor to have him on so i i I really appreciate him coming on and um yeah i really hope you guys enjoy this episode i hope you get a great laugh out of it because i did my god i couldn't stop laughing that ozzy osbourne impression wow and it's different this time i don't do the impressions at the end it's john doing the impressions at the end so it's it's fun it's fun i can tell you that much i hope you enjoy it folks it's the Al Foran Podcast, Season 2, Episode 17, John Coleshaw. Game on. Get £30 in free bets from Betfred when you sign up and stake a tenner. Football, racing, rugby, boxing. Betfred have markets available on all of the biggest matches, races, fights and more. Download the Betfred app from the App Store or Google Play Store or sign up through betfred.com. Game on. 18 plus begambleaware.org. UK and Northern Ireland only. First sports bet of £10 and over in one transaction. Settled in 60 days. Odds evens, brackets 2.0 and over. £30 free bet paid within 10 hours of bet settlement. Seven day expiry. Payment restrictions apply. SMS validation may be required. Full terms and conditions apply. Please gamble responsibly. It's a huge honour to be joined by one of my inspirations uh, growing up, obviously, as an impressionist. Um, John Culture, sir, thank you so much for coming on. I, I Honestly, I appreciate it so much. How are you? 
Oh, it's my great pleasure, Al. Thank you for inviting me. Not bad at all. Very well. Very happy to be talking to you this uh, this February evening. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of people will uh, will want us talking in different characters by the end of this podcast. Um, there'll be a limited bit of talk between uh, John and Al, but yeah, we, we'll get there towards the end. But it has- this is always the way it goes, isn't it? You know, when impersonators get together, we love to swap notes. We have yes. to compare the observations that we've seen, and Absolutely. and it, it just it fizzes and it effervesces <laughs> like that. It's one of it's one of the joys of it. Yeah, I've, oh, hundred percent, it is. It is. I'm the same as I mentioned before we started um, recording with Schaefer Bates and Connor Moore. You know, oh, two, that's two, terrific. Two, yeah, great guys, and you know, anytime I link up with the two of them, yeah, we're, we're both kind of, you know, having having a chat with each other in different yeah. impressions it's just the way this is the wonderful it. thing about this present time um you know i i can i can remember um starting off and you, you're making lots of demo tapes and you're sending them off to tv producers and, yeah. and so on and hoping that there'll be some little spark where you get a little chance to move forward mm. like that now with the way technology is you can yeah. just do it you can just do it and and the great stuff rises to the top you know and, yeah. and there you yeah. are there you it's, are. It's amazing, really. And there's so many impressionists now. It's just become a, a huge thing, obviously, due to social media, which I think there's a, social media has obviously plenty of negatives. But I think one of the positives is some of the, the great you know comedy content in general that you see on social media across all of the platforms. Exactly. And, you know, you don't see it coming that there's the chance to be so spontaneous and for things to just spark in mm. unexpectedly. At the same time, there's all that lovely pre-built stuff that's taken weeks and months to put together. And it has this big launch. You know, it, it, it's all there. It's all there. And, the, you know, the, the negative stuff, you can just waft away as if it was a fly. You yes. can just... That's the attitude that one should have to it. You shouldn't attach too much, I always think. Just waft it away. You're spot on, absolutely. Like a troublesome moth. Just waft <laughs> it off somewhere. Absolutely. <laughs> um, honestly, I just want to start off with, you know, obviously your childhood. And I don't know, you know, obviously impressionists. I When I started off doing the impressions, it was a family member. It was family members. Was that the same thing for you? As a kid, oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It was just the local people that you noticed yes. around the place. Yeah, those people with character. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you just spontaneously recreate someone who lived in the neighbourhood somewhere, and the family around the dinner table would laugh, and you think, "Oh, that's quite good. That's a positive thing." <laughs> and where I grew up in in Lancashire. You know, people people have to have this curled up accent like that. You know, it's mm. curled up like that in that yes. sort of way. There was uh, there was a fellow who worked at a uh, local farm called Tommy Shack, and he go, "Yeah, lad, you're right, lad, <laughs> you're right, lad." <laughs> and he just couldn't resist but to copy it. Yeah. And my mum and her bingo friends, wonderful salt of the earth characters. Like Nellie Brettle and, and me, my grandmother's clean and Mrs. Jump. Oh, you're a rum lad. Yeah, you're a rum <laughs> lad. And you can't resist but just to, to copy it and celebrate it. Yeah, absolutely. And were there any teachers that you that you impersonated? Yeah, there were many teachers. Because um, mm. it, it, it's always quite fun to take off a teacher because the teacher is an authority figure. Mm. 
you know, it's quite nice to be the, you know, the benevolent, you know, cheeky scamp who just undercuts it a bit. Yeah. Um, oh, looking back at the teachers. Mr. Platford, the history teacher, would say, stop talking, stop talking. And when he really needed to take control of the class, he would stretch this out. Stop talking. <laughs> and would this be if, if, if he had left the classroom for maybe five, ten minutes and, you know, I don't know if you'd go up to his desk, but you'd be, you'd be, you'd be uttering those words, stop talking constantly to all of the other students. When you get your opportunity, I did do that once. I talk about it in my live show. Um, when we could do those, hopefully we will be able to again. Very yes. Soon. Yes. Uh, it's, it's nice to aspire to those things. Um, but yeah, there was a, there was a time um, after a wet break at school, you know, and it's raining and you're stuck inside and you just want to be outside and, double history following that and being the, the, the class impersonator you feel a sense of duty you've got to lift morale mm. um, and I would start the lesson on one occasion I started the lesson as Mr Platford and sort of uh, yes okay stop talking yes okay and the writing on the board this is the path that uh, that uh, that Boudicca would have taken and uh, this is where Hannibal and the elephants and and the class are laughing and this is egging me on. And I get so in my stride that there comes a moment when I fail to notice the class have stopped laughing. And there he is, the teacher in the doorway. Detention, this room, 345. And I'm going through all of double history thinking I'm in serious trouble here. Mm. And having turned up for detention, um, uh, the first thing he says, do I really sound so odd? You know, my wife says I do sound very strange and I've always uh, dismissed it now. I suppose I'll have to believe her, won't I? Anyway, off you go home, but don't tell anyone I'll send you. <laughs> but they're rich characters, aren't they? These yeah. the teachers and, and those around the town, the, the, these wonderful rich characters. Yeah, that's absolutely. You just pick up on, you know, the, the little small details. You know, that's 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 the beauty of it. I, I remember, I yeah, there was plenty of teachers that I impersonated. Um, one teacher in particular, Mr. Sweeney, um, my engineering teacher. I was constantly like that. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, here, what are you doing? You're not even paying attention. And everything was very much like that. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah, that's, there's almost a sort of a Richard Wilson, uh, Victor Meldrew. Yeah. What are you doing? Why aren't you paying attention? <laughs> yeah. And everything's just stretching out today. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very much, yeah. <laughs> I love it when you get characters like that where, where they give you something to work with. There's a stretch, yeah. a presence to the... You get your money's worth out of every syllable. Yeah. You don't need to go looking for it. Yeah, absolutely, John. 100%. Um, it's a good name as well, isn't it? Mr. Sweeney. Mr. You know Sweeney. Be a character. There's character yeah. there straight away, isn't there? But, but I remember as well, I think it was my last year in school, sixth year, um, and I was doing my my leaving cert, which is I don't know what's that's the equivalent of the final exams in the UK. I think it's the um, GCSEs. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it was in the final year. And I remember, do you remember Jedward? Obviously, you remember them on on X Factor. I do. I, do. I, I used to do an impression of Jedward. And I was, What's up? I'm John. I'm Edward, and we're Jedward. And I used to pretend to kind of act like them all the time. And I, I remember, you know, it got wind with the teachers, the school chaplain that I did the Jedward impression. So like, fair, like 
fair enough to her. I thought this was brilliant. She decided to play a prank on the whole school because uh, she used to do um, a weekly, uh, sorry, yeah, a weekly announcement on the intercom throughout the school. Thousand students in the school. And she said that John and Edward were in the school to special guests to do the weekly announcement. But we had them fooled. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah that, that that's great when when a gag like that just lands yeah I, and i thought the video yeah i mean the fact that you know the the principal and the school chaplain came up with this kind of prank i thought was brilliant you know <laughs> and, and great that they let you do it mm. you know it's great that they you know just give, give encourage a little bit of benevolent mischief yes yeah that, that's always a good I, I remember um i met jedward once at a a comic relief um, event. Yeah. And um, they were such chirpy, yeah. innocent yeah. souls. Yeah. Uh, very, very unassuming. And yeah. um, I think, okay, I think I sort of uh, went into a cowl. I thought, okay, let's try Simon, a character they would recognise. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you can't sing. Uh, you're not the greatest performers, but um, you've got a lot of likability. I think, uh, yeah, people are going to respond to that. And they were very kind of, you know, they went bashful all of a sudden. <laughs> the memories of Cal seemed to, uh, you know, float back on them. Yeah. But, uh, but but yes, of, of course, to do to do the announcement to the entire school when these opportunities come along, you've got to you've got to seize them, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, funnily enough, that was that year kind of was I remember I did my first gig that year and everything. I kind of started taking the impression seriously. Um, and then after that, I went to college and kind of forgot about it for a few years and social media came along and all that. But yeah, it was fun. I should have focused more on studying, but instead I was actually learning to do impressions that year. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe you felt that, you know, this was the thing that was really going to be relevant for you. Yeah, yeah. And that that was where your instincts were drawing you. Give your energy to this. Give your, give your speed and inventiveness to, to, to that and yeah. let that really flourish. Yeah, and there, there is an instinct with these things, isn't that? Mm. Yeah, because I remember I remember doing the gig, and um, it was a local gig in the in the local community centre. They had a, a great function room there, and um, 150 people, uh, all from from Port Marnock, where I'm from. But it was great, and I thought the next day, you know, oh, oh my God, the sky is the limit. <laughs> it took its time. It was 2010. It was 10 years ago. Just over what was that 10 years first ago. gig when you, when you stepped out of there and, and got that audience response for the first time? Did that really set you into thinking, right, uh, now we should follow this here? Yeah, it was, honestly, it was great, you know, and um, it, it kind of, I suppose 25 minutes of it was, all of the material that I had and then the rest, it was an hour and 20. And then I just let it go for the rest of the time up until I think, what was it? Yeah. Another, an extra hour on, I just, um, just winged it. <laughs> but it was that, great. That's a brave thing to do to, to sort of set out and realize that you could do that to step on a stage and just realize you, you could let it flow. Yeah. Like that. That's was, where the best laughs were. Yeah, and what that's where the best laughs came from. It the audience interaction and all of that. And then I started doing impressions of people in the audience and friends and all of that. But yeah, that's that that was that's the kind of the, the beauty of it, how it how it be how it kind of began, you know. But I'll listen, enough of me. I want to talk. This is your this is all this is your 
uh, podcast. This is your interview. Sorry. Oh, well, it's <laughs> nice you're letting me ask you a few things as well. Along the way. Absolutely. Your start in media was on hospital radio, am I correct? And you used yeah. to read the weather report in the in the voice of Frank Bruno. I, I did, yes. Uh, this would have been, let me see, I was volunteering on hospital radio back in about 1986. Okay. Um, and it was a, a little party trick just to sprinkle a few voices through the show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Frank Bruno at that time, you know, he was, um, you know, <clears throat> aiming for the world's heavyweight title, you, you know, taking on two. <laughs> And um, you know, all them types of things, and I've got to come back against Bonefire <laughs> and all them types of things, and line up a title shot with Tyson, you know, who's a real dude, you know, coming on <laughs> you like a harbour shark. <laughs> I always loved doing Frank Bruno, just the, the, the depth of that voice, the recognizability, um, and the and the, the, the it's such a jovial, lovable voice, yeah, so it, it is. always makes that impact, you know. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's a brilliant voice. It is. I think, it, you know, it makes your shoulders go in a certain way and your eyes go in that sort of like direction as well. You know, I hope I'm looking in the screen. Okay, Harry, no. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, when we're talking about that, I mean, Frank was one of my great opponents. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for you, Frank, you know, because... Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. you were tougher and you were brave. I know I came out with the win, but... You know, there's a lot of respect that I have for you. I ain't got no respect for Lennox, but I got respect for you, Frank. Hey, okay, look, oh boy. Hey, listen, look, I I think, hey, we fought fair and square. And I, I just came on and I was going to bring that title home. Hey, I had a lot of respect for you, even if you don't respect for me. But, oh boy, hey, I cannot believe <laughs> I think it's all going to kick off again. You know what I mean, maybe we should all just like get around and do Scrabble or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because because the the boxer always beats the fighter. <laughs> Those people who bet on on the brawler that was a bad bet because the the boxer always always beats the fighter. What an era! Nineties <laughs> boxers. I think it's my favorite era. Oh, great era. Great, the, the golden era of of boxing in terms of just the amount of stars that were there. I think it's coming back slightly with with Fury and Joshua. You know. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but, I bet you've got a great Fury, haven't? Well, you know, sometimes I do. So you, you have to try and perfect that hundred percent. And, and I think before that, he was very his voice was very like that. But then he got punched in the throat, and then it kind of became like that. So you have to kind of, you know, change the voice a little bit, make it a little bit huskier, 100%. I can't wait to fight Joshua. He's been ducking me for a long time, and I'm going to prove that I'm the world champ and the greatest champ that ever lived, 100%. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. <laughs> that's fantastic. It makes me think, um, the great commentator, Harry Carpenter, I wonder what sort of uh, questions he might ask <laughs> uh, ahead of Tyson and... and uh, <laughs> you see, so... I was throwing myself there for thinking of Mike Tyson because you know he would he would often uh, speak to Mike Tyson. But so Tyson Fury, um, do you really think you can be so relaxed uh, ahead of a fight with uh, Anthony Joshua? You're, you're not underestimating this, are you? The most relaxed I've ever been. Right, I've fought tougher opponents, opponents that are a lot more skillful than him. All he has is knockout power, and that when I look at him fight, he's a bum. He lost to Andy Ruiz, who looks like the kid from Up. That's all I have to say about that. 
Yes, I, I suppose he does. But is it wise to underestimate him to this level, do you think? I mean, he could come in there strongly. He's got a lot of reach. He, he, he could come out fighting very strongly. Well, he hasn't got my skills. Technically, technically compared to me, he's a schoolboy. That's the way I look at it. I'll go in there, school him, and show him what a real champion is. A great technical boxer. The true greatest technical boxer of all time. Yes, Tyson Fury. You've had those two contests with Deontay uh, Wilder. There may be more. Um, how valuable do you think these have been in your experience? They've been so valuable to me. I want to thank everyone. I do believe that I beat him fair and square. I showed him for the bum that he was. They said he had the big, the great knockout power. It did nothing on me. He knocked me out in the first fight. Remember that? First fight, he knocked me out. I went down. People thought it was over. And I rose up like the Undertaker and the WWF. It was fantastic. Great viewing. Everybody loved it. And I proved him to be a chump, not a champ. Thank you, Tyson. I think we should perhaps bring in <laughs> Nigel Benn here to see what uh, he may think. You know, listen, listen, you know, I've got a lot of respect for Tyson Fury. You know, you would not believe the amount of respect I've got for him. And, you know, he's learned, man. He has, Tyson, you have learned. And I, I think, you know, the wars you've been through with Wilder, with others, I think, you know, you could stick it to him. I think this is your time. This is your time. Oh, uh, listen, I have questions to ask here. We were <laughs> look, this is what happens. This is what happens when we get impressionists on this show. It's this just it. goes back and forth. <laughs> but it's a true, it's a true honor to be having a back and forth. Oh, you, sir. Right back at you, sir. Right back at you. <laughs> um <laughs> I want to go back to obviously you're kind of you were as a radio DJ in the 80s, and mm. um you moved on to Viking Radio. Uh, and you had been doing impressions just kind of casually on air. And um, it was the receptionist from that radio station that persuaded you and said, listen, kind of, you know, you, you shouldn't really be here. You should be on stage. You should be on the television doing this. Um, and that kind of, that was kind of the, I suppose, the light bulb moment for you, was it? It really was a light bulb moment. I, I can define it as, as strongly as that. Uh, she's still a great friend now. Anne-Marie, the receptionist at Viking Radio. Uh, she and her husband, Tim, the, the, the great friends even now. This was, as you say, back in 1989. And uh, she, she said with this, you know, this wonderful Hull accent, you know, never mind talking in between Madonna records, you know, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should try to do. And it, it was a light bulb. I thought, well, well I'll, I'll, I'll give this a try. Yeah. Uh, and one of the um, one of the guys at the station, um, a chap called Paul Sather, and he would write the adverts. He would write the "There's never been a better time," you know, "Benson's for Bets" open this Sunday. He'd write all the commercials, but he could also write a few good gags. He was a nice yeah. gagsmith. Yeah. And so, um, at the time, how old would I have been? I think I was about twenty-one at the time. Um, and we'd go to the, the pub, the White Hart in Hull, and just sit down over a pint. And he'd say, right, what characters do you do? Who do you have? And I'd mention them, Patrick Moore, Billy Connolly, John Major, Chris Eubank. And we just it was just that first experience of just spitballing a few gags, mm. you know, tossing some ideas about. And the ones you go, ah, yeah, like that, like that gag. And just yeah. building together a, a little act, no more than three minutes. 
to start with. And you hammer it into your brain. You try to learn every word as much as you can. And I, I, when you were talking about your first gig where you got into the improvising and everything, mm. I did one of those at um, Salt End Working Man's Club in, in Hull, where these were people who worked on the boats, the, the fishing um, salt ingrained into their veins, salt ingrained into their veins, as Les Dawson <laughs> once described. Um, and they they were they were a, a testing but a very kind audience mm. that in, that encourage you you know and I was uh, straighten about you know <laughs> trying to be Billy Conley or whoever it was you know that <laughs> kind of thing you know those impactful characters that tend to win an audience over yes absolutely but they were a good bunch they were a good bunch and I remember those gigs very fondly yeah, yeah. and it was but it was Anne Marie at Viking FM reception. Who, who mentioned to do that. Well, Anne-Marie, we thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much because uh, you motivated a, an absolute legend. So, yeah. <laughs> too kind, you are too kind. <laughs> and obviously, you know, you, you got your start in Spitting Image, am I right in saying that? Yeah, um, yeah. In 94, and you were impersonating uh, then, then Prime Minister John Major from 94 to 96. Yes, uh, I, I did the last few years of the original run uh, yeah. from 94 to 96. And um, who else was on there? Alistair McGowan Alistair, was on yeah. there at the time. Uh, he, he was really, you know, bossing it. He was, yeah. you know, here was this prodigy who was going to go on to do the big impression and mm. all of these wonderful sporting, you know, um, football back chats. You know, you, you could see that this is where he was he was going. Yeah. Um, and it was wonderful to work alongside him. John Thompson, too, um, mm. who had worked a lot with Steve Coogan and um, great energy that John Thompson yeah. has. Um, such such an affable, inventive yeah. uh, fellow. His ideas come at the speed of sound. Yeah. Uh, and Kate Robbins, of course, uh, Emily Atak's yes. mum, uh, dear Kate. She she looked after me actually. She sort of, uh, you know, I came in as a total newcomer, and she she did. She she put her wing around me and looked after mm. me like my big sister. Yeah. Uh, who else was there? Who else was there at the time? Peter Serafinovich. Um, oh yes, yeah. Came in as well. Yeah. And you know he, you know he just, you know, Mark he just Paul McCartney a lot, you know. <laughs> um, but his own voice is very close to it, you know. Yeah, yeah, you know, he'd always, yeah, great, great, <laughs> very relaxed soul to, to be around. Yeah. So yeah, you, you learn a ton of things when you stand alongside people Absolutely, like that. Absolutely, yeah. And that was it. That was kind of a, a golden period for impressionists in the nineties. You know, it was a it was a big thing back then on, on the te- on the TV. Yes, it, it was. It was. There was. Um, it, it 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 was a time when it started to become its own era. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the bean. You know the. Um, the wonderful sort of light entertainment, but still very incisive styles yeah. of, of Mike Yarwood and the, the, the anarchy of Bobby, da- yes. Bobby Davro. Bobby Davro is sort of like a living cartoon character. His energy, his spark is, is glorious. Mm. Um, in the mid-90s, there was this other style coming in. 
and it led to programs on Radio 4 such as First Impressions, um, the the panel show. There was others such as, there was one on Radio 2 hosted by um, dear Sean Hughes, God rest him, called Mm. And This Is Them. Uh, Mike Mm. Yarwood's catchphrase, And This Is Me, led to And This Is Them. That was produced by Griff. Yes, Griff Rees Jones. He produced that one, and he, yeah. did, he did speak like that the entire time. It was quite good. He would uh, give his directions, and they would unfold in this manner. <laughs> Beautifully constricted sort of tone of voice. Yeah. But this style was was certainly emerging, and, and mm. this was the these were the influences that were shaping. The big impression that would follow, and dead ringers that would follow, yes, and yeah. that kind of style was really born out of the, the late part of the nineties. Mm. And um, yes, it, it was its own thing. Looking back yeah. on it now, and, and talk to me about Mike Yarwood because he's a name that's constantly brought up to me from a, a lot of my a lot, of, a lot of my elders bring up Mike Yarwood and kind of you know they always say oh he was the first he was kind of the first guy and it was what he was doing was a very unique thing. And I believe he was in the seventies kind of, that was his kind of era and you kind of drew inspiration from him. Didn't you? Yeah. I I love Mike Yarwood. And one of the reasons why I really admire him enormously is because he, he was the first big time TV impressionist in that golden age of TV Saturday nights in the 1970s to be put into that place. Huge, yeah. Prime time. I mean, the, the, you know, twenty-five million viewers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As just a regular, that was a given. That's what you got on Saturday night. But you had to deliver. Mm. And Mike, his instinct, the the first one to have all of this technology at his disposal, all of the multi cameras, all of the mm. split screens, and the way to. You know, he's Albert Stepto over here. Oh, no, don't, oh, no, don't, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> to do that so instinctively and at such speed yeah. and with that dynamism, he, he was the first to do that. He was the one that came up with the phrase Ubetti for Frank Spencer, for example, <laughs> which is now Impressionist folklore. And every everybody followed Mike's tone. And... Um, I'd, I'd, and a, a wonderful thing that that Mike can do, and he, he still does it now. Now and again, we'll have a we'll have a curry and a ketchup. We haven't been able to for a, a fair you know amount of time, but um, mm. he's got this thing where behind the eye it changes, and before he said a word, it's as if he's regenerated, like a time lord. <laughs> Ken Dodd has appeared, or Frankie Howard has appeared facially the way it would just take over him yeah. was astonishing and that that was a that's a great hallmark of Mike Howard yeah but yes he, he showed how it was done in those eras and mm. set the inspiration for everyone that's followed it was a very unique thing back then as well you know it's something that nobody had really seen that on, on television you know so it was kind of a brave and bold thing and yes, it, it, it was. It, it was. And it, it also led to, um, I remember seeing a rerun of, I think it was um, 1974 or 19, uh, one of the election nights mm. in the 1970s. And there's Robin Day there and all of these um, velvet jacketed, bow tied, 
um, news reporters such as Robin Day and Mike Yarwood giving the satire um, and the topical comedy and the satire. And it's done with a great fondness. It's done with a great warmth. It's done with a sense of light entertainment. Yeah. But those assassin-like lines, yes. Um, yes. they were there. They were it was yeah. ex- Exactly. It wasn't just... Um, it, it wasn't just interchangeable gags, you know, mm. the assassin-like lines towards Harold Wilson, Edward Heath, that they were they, they were being delivered as well. Yeah, no, definitely. He was legendary. And I think, yeah, he kind of set the tone for all of us now. So, yeah, thank you, Mike Yarwood. That's, yeah, yeah 100%. The gov. Yeah. <laughs> Dead Ringers obviously comes along. Um, and that's that's a big thing for you. But it's become a phenomenon in terms of it's been on radio, TV series from 2002 to 2007. How was that for you? Because that was your that's your baby in in essence, and it's it's it was, it's just gone on to it's fantastic. Like yeah, I was I was very lucky with with Dead Ringers, very lucky indeed. Uh, the pilot show was recorded on the second of June, 1999. Yeah. Which was my 31st birthday, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And it was put together by Bill Dare, the legendary comedy producer, mm. who has got such a great comic mind, a very calm mind, uh, just a very smart way of calmly overseeing what the essence of a show should be, mm. how the comedy should fit together. Uh, and he really did guide that show through, putting together the writers, yeah. putting together the the impersonators, and just letting this this show take shape. Mm. Um, and he really he really did guide it through. And I think one of the things that he helped to happen in the way that he steered the writing and the tone of the writing is that. Um, Dead Ringers isn't just about the topical comedy and the impressions. Mm. It's sort of got an attitude all of its own. Yeah. It's got its own sense of cheekiness. It's oh, got its yeah. own sense of, you know, like that. Yeah. It's um, there's something else going on. And when we get the, when we get given a, a script to read through, um, it, it, it's all there, all of these little barbs mm. which have evolved. Uh, a cross between, I once heard it described as a cross between Private Eye and the Beano. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, that's, a, that's a nice Beano, script yeah. for it. Private Eye and the Beano, you know, mm. the incisive satire is there, but also the, the fun at the same time. Yeah, kind of the, the caricature kind of element to it. Yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, Obviously, I think one of the best kind of sketches that you did was the the Tom Baker doctor. I I, I just <laughs> the Tom Baker doctor just kind of you know going through London. I think was one of the the favorite ones was I think you were at the train station. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yes. I think uh, I mean Tom Baker. That voice is just so <laughs> so powerful so unmistakable and uh, it can be very subtle it can just sort of uh, it can sort of like progress very smoothly or it can be enormously bold and that kind of eccentricity when you expand it and just place it into the uh, 
into the real world, you know, into Ealing Shopping Centre, <laughs> uh, you make some wonderful things happen. Yes, I think we did. Um, you did a sketch with him as well, didn't you? You and Tom, but you were dressed oh. as the fourth doctor and... In, in, in a pub or something, I've seen it. Yes, that's it. Yes, that was that, that was the Wrestler's Pub in Highgate. Uh, and that was for a show called Alter Ego. Mm. And that, that was where I would interview people as them. Brilliant. You interview someone as them. And not everybody's up for it. Some people are a bit spooked. But oh, yeah. certain people will go along with it. Uh, mm. Patrick Moore did. Dale Winton. God rest him, dear Dale. Mm. He, he did. And Tom Baker did as well. I think he was fascinated to sort of perhaps meet some uh, some version of a, a, a mischievous twin that you've never had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yes, that that was uh, that was. So sometimes it, it's quite interesting seeing the real person, yeah, sort of up the ante of their own personality, yeah. To meet the caricature of the impression. Absolutely. Um, but I think your impression is spot on. I think when the two of you guys were, when you were speaking to each other, it was very hard to tell the difference. Yes, I remember all of those, uh, all of the wonderful words that I thought, what could you say as Tom Baker, Hamilton Academicals, Stenhouse Muir. <laughs> Are they Matty? What about the Lecky? You know, talking about the Liverpool heritage. I think I looked a little bit like John Pertwee at the time, but, uh, <laughs> but yes, he's he's such a force of nature, Tom Baker. That velvety yeah. boom in that voice and the eccentricity. He doesn't respond in, in any kind of normal way. He'll always be unpredictable, and he, he's like a living wizard amongst yeah. us. It's a great, it's, yeah, it is. It's it's great to have characters like that, to have those kind of mannerisms about them, you know, because it makes the impression that bit easier. When you have the voice nailed down like you do, it's kind of like, yes, it's, it's kind of autopilot in that sense because they're like that. Yes, it, it gives you that first thing to, to start off with, doesn't it? Which are your favourite? We, we all have these characters, the ones that we go to first. Yeah. The ones that we feel really happy doing and and you just, you step onto a stage and your instinct is to just go there with these characters. Which would be your first ones that you love to um, kick off a gig with? I suppose Pesci is just the one that really, that people love live, you know. You know, it's, it's very much like that, you know, I'm talking like this and I'm, you know. <laughs> Every every time every time somebody mentions Home Alone, I get so fucking pissed off about it because you know what? Let me tell you something. I only did it for the paycheck. You know, having to put up with that little prick Culkin for two movies that was too much for me. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It was terrible. It really was. You know, I don't know what the fuck to do about it. But then when I'm doing it on stage and I'm doing it in front of people, I look at a certain person who's looking at me funny. I say, "What the fuck are you looking at? You fucking prick! What's your problem?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! And he gets all nervous and he's sweating like me right now, you know. And he's all, he's all this and then. And I say, "What the fuck are you so nervous for? Come on, I'm only busting your balls here. Well, come on, come on, I'm just breaking balls." <laughs> that's the finest of the peshies. <laughs> oh gosh, that's wonderful. <laughs> too much, <laughs> good fellas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never too much. Never too much. <laughs> but uh, another one, kind of a a similar one to the Tom Baker in terms of just mannerisms and kind of just already being kind of characters for me is Louis van Gaal. Yeah. You know, because he's very much 
He speaks like this to the point. Uh, his words are very important when he talks about football history, you know. So I think he is a good one to do because he always mentions about the Ajax team he won the Champions League with. <laughs> That's one of the, I, can, I can see his, his facial expression, which is very extreme, <laughs> yeah. almost like the sea devils in Doctor Who. Uh, and and that, that facial expression <laughs> shapes that voice, doesn't it? It squeezes it out yeah. in that way. I, I miss him so much. I wish he'd go back into, into management. Yeah. <laughs> He's just yeah. such a character. Yeah. <laughs> I wish that William Hague would do the same. There are some of these, <laughs> some of these characters. But please come back. We we miss you. Do, do something on the national stage. <laughs> there are those. Yeah, I'm sure he will. It's not over for. There'll be more from Louis Van Gaal. I hope so. I do hope so. Um, I want to talk about what, what was your favorite ever sketch, uh, live or recorded, that just. You just got to, when, when you finish it up, you just got an ultimate high from it. Or when you kind of, when you watched it back, you just thought, this is, oh, oh wow. I love this. Wow. Um, it might have been, it might have actually been um, the first sketch of the Dead Ringers pilot, which I think was written by Lawrence Howarth, who's the script editor of Dead Ringers now. And it was Russell Crowe. Um, Having the chance to latch onto Gladiator <laughs> um, and just sort of, um, you know, do that facial scowl. <laughs> My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife. But that's when I called claims direct. <laughs> that's, that's the one oh, and it was the, it was the first ever dead ringers sketch and um it just gave the feeling of oh yeah th th this is how we translate from radio to um to tv yeah and the chance to just you know stick on all of this maximus decimus meridius gear you know all this roman oh, leather yeah. and a hearth rug which was his, you know, war-like mm. whatever skin that he wore. It was just a hearth rug from Debenhams that they mucked up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what they can do, isn't it, with the props? Oh yes, yes. <laughs> I reckon it might it might just be that one. If I thought about it more, there'd be others. But yeah, that, yeah. that one comes to mind for sure. Brilliant. I watched a lot of your interviews with Parkinson, and that guy was just legendary. I mean. Oh. to be on Parkinson, it was just, uh, the, the interview flowed so beautifully with, with anyone he'd interview. And I remember you were on, I think you were on beside Eamon Holmes as well for one of them. Um, what was it like kind of being interviewed by him? Because he's just, he was an absolute legend. Oh my goodness. It's, it's one of the things I'm most proud of, you know, being on Parkinson's show, yeah. being on with Parky. Um, I have never been more nervous in my life perhaps perhaps on the royal variety uh, that that's also yeah. nerve-wracking especially when you're relatively new to it and it's the first time you've done things on that mm. kind of a scale you you know you're, you're summoning yeah. it all together like that mm. and being on parkinson was one of those occasions when you think that he's spoken to muhammad ali yeah he has spoken to 
all all these Hollywood greats, and you're yeah. thinking, here's here's a chancer from Ormskirk. What am what the heck am I doing here? And you're so nervous. But the skill of Parkinson um, is he's, he. He's so skilled at his job. As soon as he sits down and starts asking oh, the questions, God, <laughs> you you just instant he just instantly puts you at, at your ease. You relax. You, he makes you he, he makes you forget any nervousness that you might have had straight straight away, and straight away, just like flicking a light switch, your nervousness is gone because he's so skilled and such warmth. You just simply enjoy the chat, and you're away, and you don't need to worry about it. Yeah. So yeah, he, he's. Um, and another great thing about Parkinson is that um, sometimes you'd, you'd see him there with his with a clipboard, mm. with a few little bullet points just to get him started. But as soon as the guest ever went into into a story, into a beautiful anecdote, mm. you'd see him turn that clipboard over, and it was just a case of just sit back and let them talk. You know, you don't need to be. You don't need to be always chipping in with things. You'll just sit back oh. and let them talk and let it breathe. And That's an unbelievable impression as well. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't. I mean, the nerve. You're talking about being nervous. Anyone would be nervous. Obviously, any impressionist would be nervous. It didn't show in the interview, but nerves are good. Nerves are the best thing ever because they keep us on our feet. They keep us, you know, alert. It's you have a way of, of turning them into a sense where they don't distract you, yes. but they work for you. Yeah. How do you sort of grab hold of that and make it work in your favour? What, with nerves? Yeah, how do, how do you shape them so that they, that they give you that boost rather than the distraction? Do you have a way of approaching that? As, as you said, it's kind of the nerves are there before the gig, and then when I go up on stage, they're still there but it's game time and I don't let them distract me, but it's kind of, um, in a sense, I know in the back of the head, in the back of my head, it gives me that mental edge before I'm going on stage or before I'm doing anything for that matter, whether it be a prank call or, or a sketch or, or anything. Um, it's, I, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of nerves. How, how crazy, how crazy does that sound? It's just, it's, it's the best thing. That's a lovely um, phrase you came up with there. It's game time. Yeah, it is. It's time to focus. It's time to not let any distractions in. Shield it all out. Yeah, yeah. it's game time. Yeah. Let the nerves be your fuel. Yeah, 100%. Um, and the nerves before a gig is just that sense of the unknown. The moment you step on there and say the first couple of words, that sense of the unknown is gone. You're in your space then. Yeah. Game that time. First, that first laugh. Yeah, you know, for any performer, that first laugh, or I don't know, it's singers that that first kind of roar of the crowd when they play a, you know, a well-known tune. It's that's that's what nerves are. They're great. They honestly are. Yeah, they they work for you. That they're good. It's fuel, as you say. Yeah, exactly. That is fuel. I remember doing a gig in Manchester. It was nearly three years ago now. I'm I'm a I'm a huge Man United fan. You probably see it on my Twitter, John. I'm, I talk a lot of crap sometimes, <laughs> but I did a, a gig in front of uh, Neville Skulls gigs. Oh yes, you know, and that was. I remember doing Gary Neville <clears throat> to Gary in front of Gary Neville. 
I remember truth. I remember doing it right in front of him. He was just staring at me like, what is this guy doing? Couldn't believe it. I mean, back then the impression wasn't so good, but I tried it again. But I remember they I did Rio. And I remember I did, you know, like, <laughs> down in front of him, you know. You know, I got, I got, I got the Scalzi. Scalzi loved it. He thought it was fantastic. Came up after after the gig and said, you know, it was like it was like Rio complaining in the in the in the dressing room after a game and we'd lose. You know, so it was um, unbelievable. That's his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's beauty. That's a beauty. I met him and he was. I did that impression in front of him. Just such a, a great guy. Great guy. That's fantastic. He he, tried, he was with his kid. Uh, it was sort of FIFA launch a few years ago, but he asked me to do Joe Pesci and his little, I think his six or seven year old was there. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about that, Rio. <laughs> I'll have to replace the word, uh, the F word with feck. <laughs> yes, it's, it's it's quite a tricky thing to do when when they say little else. Yeah. You know, to uh, substitute the words with ones you can get away with. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Takes take some thinking, some adapting. I think the word everyone kind of in the UK kind of came to light with the word feck from Father Ted, I'd imagine. Because that was just that was the, the kind of the swear word in, in that show in the 90s. But softened the way it turning it turn it into feck. It yeah. softened. <laughs> makes it cute. Takes yeah. the curse off it. Absolutely. Um John, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And oh, you know, this I, is a, this is a joy. No, it's, thank, thank you, Al. Thank you. you know, Al. We've got to end this with a couple of impressions from yourself. I hope you don't mind. No, I'm delighted. Delighted. I have, I have a list here now. Some of them, some of them you've already done, but listen, we'll do them again. All right, because they're so good. Thank you for the ones you've done as well. That's been such a joy for me. Ah. Uh, as, no, as, as well as doing them, it's always a joy to hear them as well. So this is this has just been. Oh, it's great. It's a, a back and forth with an it's with another impressionist for me is just the best thing. It, honest, it honestly is, you know. And I just for as well, I love the way all of you guys kind of came together in the nineties and worked with each other. It was just a great thing because I, I'm very friendly with a lot of the other impressionists nowadays, but we we're not doing kind of. There's not much that we were doing together. I do a lot with Schaefer. I've done a few things with Connor. But I think if all of us, I'd love if all of us just came together and did one big thing. Luke Kempner as well is another. Oh, Luke is fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. Terrific. And a gentleman as well. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. He is. Really big fan of Luke. And then. We worked on Newsoids together a few years ago, just as he was starting to punch on through. Yeah. Uh, And he's terrific. He's got such spark and such flair. Yeah, and he, he chooses such individual characters to do yeah. as, as you all do, as you all do. Yeah, and so all to, all together, you know what a, what a force. I, I do sense there's going to be another big show. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to utilize all of you because it it's such a strong mm. generation of all of you guys coming through now, and it's so yeah. exciting to watch. Yeah, oh, it's, it's, it is. It's honestly all the other impressionists around me and yourself and, and all of the, the other guys. Like, it's there's a lot of us now. So, I mean, if we came together and did something special, it would be great. It honestly would be. A, a lame miserable yeah. with impressions in a way that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Can what, you imagine that? <laughs> what's, a, what's a big movie with it? It's a star studded cast, kind of a, I'm trying to think, star studded cast movie. Uh, I think to an sort, of, show. sort of Star Wars. I think maybe Star Wars, yeah, some kind of Star Wars kind of thing. 
Something like that. <laughs> yes, Obi-Wan Kenobi shall guide us. That was on my list, the Alec Guinness uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> right, I'm, I'm not going to preempt no more. Yes, I'll, I'll just... uh, Tony Blair, how, how are you this evening, sir? Um, well, you know, I think uh, I think it's very good and important that you answer that. Uh, and I'm very glad that you asked. And, <laughs> and these are my teeth. <laughs> and Eamon Holmes, how how's how's things with you? All good? So that's great. I'm really pleased that you asked that. So I am. So you did. Uh, these are the stories you're waking up to. It's a uh, quarter to eight. Uh, this is what you're waking up to. Good morning. What show am I doing? I do that many. I forget what they are. <laughs> And uh, Mr. Clarkson, uh, what is what is the the hottest automobile on the road at the very minute? I think the hottest car at the moment is probably the Nissan Almira. <laughs> if I say that, I know that, that would wind Clark. I love Clarkson on uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. There's yeah. something about his, his gruff wit on there. Um, how would how would his predecessor uh, Chris Tarrant feel about? Singing? <laughs> Oh, I, I, say, I, I say, you know, good luck to him. Good luck to him. I think uh, there was one very marvellous moment which I admired greatly. Uh, the, uh, the question was about something that happened in 1977. <laughs> and this rather spooked uh, young contestant said, oh, well, that's, that was before my time. And Clarkson comes straight in and say, well, 1066 was before my time. But I know what happened. <laughs> Got to take your hat off for that. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, <laughs> Ricky Gervais, um, Afterlife Season 3. Any? Have you got any news for us on that? Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I would say, okay, it will happen. <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay. okay. Oh. <laughs> oh, but it can only, only when you are feeling it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Ozzy, how are, how are you doing? I, I don't know. Can you give us a, a timeline on, on, you know, when we will see normality again in society? I, 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 I do. I, I do. I, I do. I, I, I do. I uh, think that that's a very good uh, thing. We must be followed by the science. And, uh, and if you doubt 
uh, just make noises and spout <laughs> Latin. nisi <laughs> optimum. Oh, John Culture, thank you so much, sir. What oh, a pleasure! You. Thank you so much. Um, great pleasure having having you on. And yeah, obviously, where, where can people find you on on social media as well? You're a well known guy, but the ads and on Twitter and everything. Yeah, it's just uh, Instagram. At, at John Coleshaw. Jonathan's my full name, so it's J-O-N, you see. So uh, at John Coleshaw or John Coleshaw Impressionist on Facebook, things like that. I'm still, getting, I'm still getting used to social media. <laughs> I still don't know it fully yet. Ah, uh, listen, it's it as I said, it has its negatives and its positives, but honestly, I'd love to... I'd love to in the future do a couple of sketches with you. It'd be great. We must. We you have know? a duty. I'd, I'd love that, Al. That would be fantastic. You know, I I, I do it in McGregor. That's that's my kind of thing. You know what I mean? So. Oh yes. We 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 we, <laughs> we, we, we will do something about that. Um, who would be now? Who would be a good? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good character, a good boxer to put against um, McGregor. What am I going to take all of them? Frank Bruno, Chris Eubank, Nigel Benz, you know what I mean? Yeah. As, as I said, line all the legends of Lennox Lewis. He may be about 100 pounds heavier than, he, than me, but I, he can't take my left hand. So that's the way, that's the way I view it. Yeah, I think you know a lot of, but, you know, you've got to, you give a lot of mouth. You know, you're always giving it all that. You know, like well, well, um, well that's the reason why I'm nearly a billionaire. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> there we go. The Bruno laugh and the McGregor laugh. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think it harmonised. We was like the Everly Brothers then, you know. <laughs> oh, John, honestly, thank you Great so pleasure. much. You're thank a legend. You, Al. Thank, thank you. you. Build your own unique bets and get the odds instantly with Betfred's Pick Your Punt Builder. Corners, cards, goal scorer and more. They've got them all. Download the Betfred app to build your own unique bets with instant odds. 18 plus BeGambleAware.org. Singles only. Pick Your Punt Builder is available on selected matches at Betfred's discretion. Visit Betfred.com promotions for more information and for full terms and conditions.